After years of talks, back and forth, transition periods and deadlines, the UK has now left the EU. We have a deal, some of which is still yet to be thrashed out. But since the 1st of January 2021, the UK has been officially independent of the EU and no longer part of the single market and customs union. It means businesses and companies across Britain are now having to change, adapt and navigate this new world in all aspects of their work. And seeking advice is one of the key ways this can be done successfully. So as part of a joint campaign between GFIRST LEP in Gloucestershire, Swindon and Wiltshire LEP and the West of England Combined Authority in South Gloucestershire, Bristol and Bath and North East Somerset, we're bringing you conversations to help businesses get the help they need to manage their adjustment now Britain has left the EU. Today, I'm speaking to a Cheltenham accountancy firm about how the EU exit has changed how they work with their clients, from business advice to tax services. Rob Case is a partner at Randall & Payne. He oversees the tax department and its specialisms, with his own being VAT. I started the conversation by asking him to explain a little more about what he does. I'm a tax partner at Randall & Payne Accountants in Cheltenham. Um, so I've been with the firm about 18 years now and I head up the tax team but I have a particular specialty in VAT um, and indirect tax which includes customs duties etc as well. So from the point of the referendum result to now have things changed much? Well I think uh, there, there weren't significant changes um, leading up to Brexit with the votes because nobody really knew what was going on. Um, what's happened in the last couple of months is that we've had a load of clients contact us about all the queries that they've got in running their business. The queries tend to be around import of goods, um, making sure that there's a free movement of goods into the UK so that they can um, fulfil their orders for their customers. Um, so actually, what do we need to do to cope with these new regulations? Um, how should we structure our business to sort that out? Um, but, you know, the biggest challenge that they've got is all around administration at the moment. Um, and, and that is causing additional cost and delay for our clients. You've had to keep up to date and expand your knowledge all the time, according to the changes in information, uh, to be able to offer advice in the current circumstances. So just talk me through how, as a firm and an advisor yourself, you've adapted to be able to provide an up-to-date service. Yeah, I, I, it's quite an interesting question, that actually, because from a tax position, there haven't been any fundamental new rules that we've had to understand. Um, it's a case of applying the rules that you would use for global trade um, to the trade that you would use in the EU um, as well. So um, there's, there's obviously a wealth of experience to, to call upon from there. I think it's just the uncertainty of having a last minute deal and actually what that meant in terms of whether there were going to be tariffs or additional costs with trading with the EU that we weren't expecting. So um, I'm hopeful that going forward any future changes we might actually be given a bit more time <laughs> to adapt. I mean the government have done everything that they possibly could do around making sure there's lots of guidance out there for people but I think um, people were choosing not to read it or necessarily put all of the things in place because they didn't know actually what the final deal was going to be. Um, so a lot of people haven't really put the time into what they needed to do until recently. Let's talk more about the overall impact then. What have been the real points of contention here, do you think? Um, well, there's a question. 
Uh, I think it's quite difficult to say early on, given where we are with the coronavirus. What we do know is that there's a huge amount of extra administration, massive increase in the number of declarations that are having to be made um, in terms of moving goods. We're talking about five times the amount uh, of declarations in comparison to the previous year. So I think at the moment it's we just need to keep trading and we need to keep trading with our customers. Um, longer term, I guess I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, as a country, we'll be freer to trade in more areas of the world. Um, but clearly that's going to be subject to future deals, trade deals, and ultimately comes down to having good saleable products and services that are in demand, um, which thankfully Gloucestershire are pretty good at that. Mm, we do seem blessed in Gloucestershire, don't we, with firms and businesses who just provide products and services that are uh, in demand. Uh, from a financial perspective then, are clients having to stretch their budget so they having to rethink finances or, or change how they do things as a result of the EU exit? Uh, I, th- I think that's right. I mean, to, to give you a couple of examples, we've got um, one client that's looking to ship uh, aspects into Europe. Um, but what they're finding is that the import position is affected in lots of different countries. So they're genuinely considering setting up a subsidiary or a branch in uh, Holland or the Netherlands just so they've got one central outlet to use for the whole of the EU uh, which obviously comes with associated costs. Others are um, using freight forwarders to manage their imports and exports and and, and obviously they take a cut for doing the administrative paperwork that they do Um, and some of that's not to be sniffed at to be fair because um, even for filling in paperwork or using some of their deferment accounts to be able to help with cash flow can can be quite a significant cost. There's another client that rang the other day, quite interesting because um, they're importing batteries from outside of the EU into the EU and then bringing the goods into the UK. And and actually that's one of the areas that is causing some some problems where the origin of the goods is outside of the EU. Um, They have been forced effectively by their freight forwarder to have a deferment account, which is extra administration, etc., etc. Um, so it's probably, to be fair to the revenue, they've done well. They've set up the deferment account in about 10 days, um, which is almost unheard of in, in years gone by. But obviously that's 10 days that they haven't been able to get the products in, which you know creates those kind of supply chain problems. Uh, but yeah, every, every day it's a different question. <laughs> There is definitely a need to adapt quickly, isn't there, and have the ability to be able to change how things are done with almost a sense of urgency and pace, you know, days, not weeks, months in some cases now, in order to make things happen. And and, and that causes a bit of panic amongst people as well because they're worried about being able to fulfil their orders and things for customers. So um, it it tends to be, it's all about the movement of goods that's causing the problems at the moment, mostly supplies coming into the UK, but um, we've got another client that made a supply to someone in the Czech Republic. Um, They're not a business, they're a consumer. And you've probably seen in the news all of the extra VAT and duties that people have to pay on nice handbags and various things that have been flying around. But uh, so the goods were invoiced in December with UK VAT, but not shipped until after December. So the guy in Czechoslovakia paid UK VAT and then he paid Czech VAT when it landed in Czechoslovakia so you know our client then had to do a credit note and it's just you know for each one of those transactions there's some kind of communication that goes on and it it, it is time consuming. 
I think it's fair to say for most companies, probably for efficiency, it's all about a blanket approach that that works to streamline your business with the odd case query, you know, complaint coming up. But is this changing as a, as a result here? You know, are more individual cases having to be addressed? Well, I think that, that that's where it gets in, interesting for us, because we obviously deal with a number of different clients in different industries. So, um, you know, we have to be able to adapt to answer the, the questions relevant for a number of different clients. Um, thankfully, I think with the clients, it's it's slightly simpler because, you know, they've either got a specific product that they're manufacturing and selling so that the, the query tends to be resolved once and for all. Um, but, you know, it, it, you know, it does present challenges. So what are the three most important things do you think clients need to think about? So I think the three most important things uh, clearly are understanding your supply chain, who, who you're suppliers are who your customers are and making sure that you keep the flow of goods coming to the UK um, so having an awareness of all the commodity codes and things for your products is important uh, secondly uh, I think it's important that you're compliant um, I mean the revenue of being lenient around penalties and administration and things to try and help out at the moment and, and I guess that's an acceptance that it's all a bit last minute but it's just going to be dead important to understand these new rules um, and engage and communicate with decent freight forwarders. Um, and, I, and, you know, is your business structure right? Uh, I guess would be the third one. You need to think about cash flow. There are new schemes out there, such as postponed accounting now, which is a huge benefit to people bringing good, goods into the UK uh, and keeping them movement, but keeping them moving. Um, so, yeah, th- those would be the three things for me. Can you explain postponed accounting a bit more? Of course, without trying to get too technical, right? Yeah, in layman's terms would be great. (laughs) So um, historically, if you brought goods in from outside of the EU into the UK, you had to pay import VAT at 20% and any customs duties at the border before the goods were released into free circulation. So the business had to put forward money effectively before they could get hold of the goods. The way that postponed accounting works, and this is only for the VAT, not the duties, is that rather than having to pay the money up front and fill in all the declarations in respect of that, um, you can elect to do what they call postponed accounting, which means you just put it on your next VAT return, as you would do uh, with other transactions. So it just saves the goods from being held up um, at the border and equally businesses having to pay money and then claim it back three months later or whatever it would be um, when they had the relevant evidence on their next VAT return. So it, it's certainly a useful mechanism, um, especially for tariff free trade. So it covers the VAT, but not the duties. So if you've got goods coming in with no duties, which largely a lot of the EU stuff will, um, you know, it's a dead simple way of deferring the, the cash flow implications and keeping the goods moving. It does sound like it's all about thinking outside the box, really, managing things differently, you know, to distribute your costs, etc. Yeah. Because most of this will come down to money. Yeah, and I, we've got to give credit to the revenue for what they've done. Yes, I don't think the government have helped in terms of last minute announcements, but by having these schemes and systems in place and also reacting quick to new registrations for deferment accounts and all those sorts of things, they are doing what they can to try and keep things moving. Whether it's enough in everyone's eyes, uh, you know, that's up for debate, but um, they are trying. 
before we started recording this chat, you, you told me things are incredibly busy, you know, that your workload has gone up. How, how has that changed things for your firm and what you do? How, have you had to get more people in because of this? Um, well, we've been growing, actually, which is good. And we have been recruiting, but not specifically around EU exit bits and pieces, to be fair. I think um, timing is an interesting one. So we, we have lots of self-assessment tax returns that are due for submission at the end of January. So coping with that volume and also the, the immediate responses that were demanded in respect of EU trade uh, was an interesting one. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess it's impacted our business as well, because uh, we now don't necessarily have to charge UK VAT on some of our supplies that we make to people that might be overseas. Um, so making sure that, you know, we've got the systems in place to be able to cope with that uh, was, was quite important as well. But, uh, yeah, thankfully, I'm just glad we are busy. Are there things you can see coming, though, Rob, that you and your clients are preparing for you know what what does the future look like <laughs> the crystal ball <laughs> have you got one no have you <laughs> sadly not <laughs> um i mean there there are some further changes that have been announced um and delayed until july uh, which is mainly going to affect consumer goods that are being sold to non-business customers um the vat one-stop shop I'm not going to try and describe that one technically to you, but um, that's due to come in from the 1st of July um, and to make sure that we can try and avoid having to register in lots of different countries for VAT, if that makes sense. There's a simplification that should be coming in. That's one thing that people should be planning for if uh, they're selling to consumers. Um, but otherwise, you know, a lot of the details and things still are going to be ironed out and, and to be announced. I just I just hope they give us enough time to be able to re react to it accordingly. I know it is difficult to say what the future looks like, but what advice can you give to those businesses and clients listening who are looking onwardly as much as possible? I think it's just um, taking the time to sit down um, and think through, A, what the plans and structures of the business want to be, uh, you know, and, and what, what actions you need to take to... Uh, make those things happen so is it is it right to have an overseas subsidiary um, how is this going to impact our cash flow what do we need to do to be able to manage that and a lot of businesses will have will have carried out the you know that kind of exercise already um, you know it just comes into good strategic planning really there have been so many unknowns up to the point of of the day the deal was uh, agreed and there are still so many unknowns now as we figure this out but is this going to be a case of seeing how we go you know and to keep on going as well i think yeah that's absolutely right i mean agility is a key attribute um of a successful business so uh, i'm thankful that they're putting mechanisms in place to fast track various aspects to make it as easy for businesses as possible um, but I think as we've said you know each business is different um, and various freight forwarders are suggesting different mechanisms for dealing with different items of goods so um, businesses have to be uh, adaptive in that respect and I, and I just hope they give us enough time for future changes um, I think that's got to happen now no more Christmas Eve deal announcements please when the whole workforce are about to go off on holiday <laughs> yeah no rest for the wicked hey yeah you've got it 
You've got clients in all sorts of different industries and fields. Are, are there particular industries having to deal with particular areas, you know, aside from the obvious imports and exports? Good question. I think um, it, it's, it's a challenging question to answer because actually the questions that we receive are so unique um, and, and the breadth of the field of, of our clients is quite wide. So, you know, we, we do have some specialisms, but they tend to be based around UK uh, type of trade so a lot of the questions that have been asked of us and are referred to are almost un unique to their set of circumstances the reason the questions probably aren't being asked over and over again is because the other people might have already found the answer if that makes sense so um, the, the biggest challenge and I think again this was in the news uh, over the last couple of days is, is if you've got something coming into the UK that has an aspect that's come from outside of the EU so you know, batteries from Taiwan or, um, you know, there's some precious metal that's ended up in a in a chip in a phone or something along those lines. That's where it gets um, slightly more complicated. And, and that's where you need to take the advice. It feels like it's very much all about chatting to others in your field or, of course, picking up the phone to get in touch with the likes of yourselves. Yeah. Um, a, lo a lot of it is actually just walking through the scenario with clients so that you can direct them to the right guidance, make sure they get the right things set up and, and just understanding what challenges they're facing and where their suppliers are coming from and uh, where the goods are coming from and those sorts of things. You just need to understand the problem to help then work out the correct solution for them. It's not so much about having an answer, is it? It's almost being able to counsel people through, you know, to settle those anxieties, those fears and and apprehensions. Yeah, and, 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 and that's quite clear when you get the initial phone call, actually. It's like, well, what do we do about this? You know, what what, what should we do? Um, and the challenge is, of course, that lots of different people use different freight forwarders and different freight forwarders are reacting in different ways and have different cost bases. So you, you, you need to explore existing relationships to make sure that you're getting the right setup for what you need, but also that it's, you know, commercially and profit, you know, your profit is going to not be impacted too much by that, or at least it's reflected in your in your price. So, uh, yeah, it, it very much is a kind of let's understand the problem. Let's work out what we need to do to solve it. And then off the back of that, what are the ramifications around cost? What does that mean we need to do about our prices and communications with customers? If someone is listening and want to inquire about your services at Randall and Payne, how can they do that, Rob? Our office is open and manned. So, yeah, you, you can call the main switchboard, have a look at our, our website um, and uh, they can quite quickly put you in touch with me if, if you've got any questions you want to ask. The website is uh, www.randall-pain.co.uk. A big thank you to Rob Case from the Chantnam Accountants, Randall and Payne. And thank you for listening. We really hope this has been useful to you as we continue to navigate life outside of the European Union. We've included all of the relevant links in the description and please get in touch with any and all questions regarding your transition to this new world. And remember, we're all in it together. Oh, 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 oh,